Welcome to the Notary Ninja Show with your host, author, entrepreneur, and master ninja Mark Sykes. We discuss side hustles, business opportunities, scams leveling up, and much, much more. Ideas so sharp, they'll cut the competition in half. You can reach Mark at legaldocprepnotary.com. We're rolling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Notary Ninja Show. We have a very special episode. We have a special guest on, Damien Andrews. He is Australian Special Forces. This is his background. He is an author and an entrepreneur and a philanthropist, of all things, which is really exciting. His motto is sliding elephants through eyes of needles. In other words, uh, making things that seem like very daunting challenges sim- simplified. I like that. You know, uh, if you know me, you know, I quote people like Bruce Lee all the time who says in simplicity is genius, um, which is true. We can take things that seem very challenging and break them down. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Damien, welcome to the Notary Ninja show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for having me and, and especially across, you know, all the way across the world uh, to be able to talk to you. We are. We're, we're upside down right now. That's just so wild to me. Uh, so so Damien's from down under. And uh, if you couldn't pick up on the accent, which, uh, you know, we love that over here. So yeah, g'day, g'day to all the viewers. <laughs> so before we get into all that, let me ask, uh, you got kangaroos going around out there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm quite fortunate where I'm sitting. I'm down on what we call a peninsula. Australia is very creative with its names. We have a road that goes along the coast, which is called the Coast Road. Um, <laughs> but here on, on the peninsula, I'm 10 minutes from the beach. I have a reserve at the back of my yard, and, and I'm currently sitting looking at it at some trees. And I actually have kookaburras and, and magpies and other birds come to my back um, door, and, and I hand feed them. So it's a, it's a pretty tranquil place. That's pretty cool. That's a, a kookaburra. That's the one that laughs, right? Exactly. Yeah, they laugh at me all the time. And I don't take it personally. I just say, hey, that's all right. All right. I, I fell over. I get it. You know, <laughs> I know here in Florida, people get this uh, conception that we're, you know, they're misconception. It's kind of true, actually. But, uh, you know, that there's just there's alligators coming out of the woodwork. It's kind of true, but it's not as dangerous, I think, as people would think. Uh, we like to play it up here. We have what's called the the drop bats. You got to be careful when you're walking through the trees; they'll drop out and suck blood out of your throat. But you know, <laughs> you get, I mean, it's, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> touche, touche. So, so Damien, tell us a little bit about your background. It sounds it's like a very interesting, very colorful person. I mean, you you've had a, a pretty adventurous life up to this point. Yeah, my life at the beginning was probably more about avoidance than anything else. When I was in school, I I didn't want to be in school. My dad said I wasn't allowed to leave unless I had a job. Uh, Two weeks later, the army recruitment people came around um, and said, you know, and I said, well, great, there's there's a way out of school here. It's a job. Uh, Not really thinking it through what that meant. Uh, So I joined the army and I've gone through basic training. And and after I get, you know, um, through basic training, I'm thinking this running around the bush, we only have one bush in Australia, just to mind you, we have the bush, not, (laughs) not a forest. We have the bush. Um, I was like, I was thinking, yeah, this is probably not, you know, the, what I really want to be doing. And uh, you get the choice of different 
well, there's a number of different jobs available that you can do. And I was mature enough to know that I wasn't getting something like signals or other really good jobs. And if you didn't get one of those jobs, you went to infantry, which is, again, more running around the bush. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, you know, there was one job that no one was going for. So I, I thought, well, no one's going for that. Um, <laughs> the competition is really low. So tip in in sales, go to places where the competition is low because you're likely more chances of succeeding. I put the application in and the role was actually for a chef's role within the army. Uh, So I went there, I went to the school and we learned all this um, fancy culinary cooking. And and while I was there, they asked one of the the guys in my class, did he want to go to Perth? And he said, no, he just come from Perth. They don't want to go there. And, and so I was like, oh, I'll go to Perth. It's far away from home, um, whatever. And, and they go, okay, if you pass the psychological test, uh, you can go. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Not thinking about, again, what it is. <laughs> so I've gone and done the test, passed it, drove over to Perth, and there I am at the SAS. Um, so, you know, people say, oh, well, were you like Steven Seagal out of Under Siege? You know, the cook that was That's there. exactly <laughs> yeah, I- what I was thinking while you're telling this story. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. where I was like the knife throwing them. That's exactly where I was going with this. Yeah. So my motivation when I was at the school of cooks was also to, um, you know, I was thinking about it going, well, I'm 18. Um, if I let, uh, my first thought was girls like guys that can cook. Um, and that was my motivation. So it was kind of, you know, done a lot of things because of, you know, I think if you're into astrology, I'm, I'm not that big into it, but I do, you know, I've read it and understand it. I'm, I'm a Leo, uh, which makes me a cat. So I'm like, oh, shiny thing. And I jump over there. And sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's fire. Maybe don't go, <laughs> maybe come back. Um, it's kind of been my life a little bit. Yeah. But then I, I went after the army. I worked in the mine sites. I came back, decided that my dad was probably right in this education was a good thing. I went and studied commerce, uh, accounting and and a bit of law. I went to work in corporate recovery after that. So that was breaking up companies and and selling them off or, you know, and trying to, or trying to sell them as a whole. Uh, then I went out and like myself Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, and I don't have the hair for it, but, you know, I, I put that down to too many U-turns under the sheets, if you can say that on your show. Um, but it was, <laughs> I, um, and then I worked in corporate recovery for a bit and played around with a few different things. Uh, when I was actually in the army, I I, um, I had a fair bit of time off because we worked a long day. So we had a, lo- a lot of time off. I worked, uh, I, I thought, oh, I want to do something, um, you know, to help you know, business wise. And, and so I actually applied for, and well, I didn't apply. I, I, I created positions. So I wrote to a number of marketing companies and said, can you, um, uh, can you take me on and, and teach me marketing? And, and one firm took me on. And I, so on my spare time in the army, I learned marketing. Um, and then said, so I came back and studied commerce and, and just got out there and, and just kept myself busy doing different things. When again, when I, while I was in the army on my spare time, I went away and studied um, instead of going on holidays to the beach, because our base was on the beach. So I probably didn't need to go. It wasn't, it wasn't um, I, yeah. I, I, went and studied neurolinguistics, um, neurolinguistic programming. So I did, you know, on my leave, I went and did a two week course on neurolinguistics and continued that study as well. And um, so I always did that. And then I, part of it too, I think from a young age, we'd always been giving back as well. My dad would always help out with the footy club and we'd be counting the cash um, from the, the thing. So uh, maybe that helped with learning accounting as well, but also to Christmas time was great because you had the Christmas party 
and we'd get the big boxes of lollies and we'd have to pack the lollies. And, and if there wasn't enough lollies to, to pack the bags, we got the extras. So I was always waiting to get the extras. But this giving um, and helping other people, volunteering your time, um, I did that. I remember when I was in Perth between the army and going to the mines, I wasn't employed. And I didn't have any money in my bank account. And I was walking through the mall in um, in Perth and, and an Aboriginal man came and asked me for some change. And honestly, I didn't have any change in my pocket. I had a $20 note. That was it. That was my cash. I had nothing else, nothing in the bank account. And I, I went and I thought about it and I just went, I put my hand in my pocket, pulled out the note and gave it to him. First, he didn't believe me, I think, because he turned it over. He was looking at it, turning it over. And then he just lit up and he started dancing. He was dancing in front of me. Then he went, he actually jumped on top of a big, you know, where the garbage, the public garbage means he jumped on top there. He was dancing. He ran around. I think it was his wife or partner sitting on a seat and he's dancing in front of her. And I just sat there watching him feeling amazing um, at what he was doing, not thinking about my own position that, you know, I didn't have a job and didn't have any more money. Um and I was just enjoying that moment. And and then the next day, I got a phone call about a, a position that was available. I went and did the interview because I needed someone straight away. And I, I got the job. And I, and I wonder about that. Did I get that job because my mood was good because I had given back, because I felt good about helping someone, my mood about, I wasn't focused on my position of, you know, I, I didn't have a job and my life sucks. It was like, I felt good because I'd helped someone. And I think from my perspective, that's one of my um, key takeaways that I had in my life was you know, when, when you give back, you actually feel really good and, and so much more comes back. And, I, and I've found that in my life. I, I've got so many people helping me. I'm helping a lot of people, but so many people will go out of their way to help me when I ask them, um, par partly, I believe, because I've, I've actually gone a long way to help people. Yeah. So that's, been... you, you know, that's a pretty, oops. That's a pretty profound concept. You know, one of the things I try to speak to our audience is, is about this idea of over delivering to people, um, mm. giving, you know, basically giving more than they expect, because that is uh, that's how you that's how you can grow your brand, your name, you know, your business. Uh, people talk, you know, and um, mm. when we you know, this legal document preparation that we do. Uh, I remember, you know, initially starting out, we took on a, um, a pro bono and um, it was a project, you know, yeah. and uh, but it, that same thing, you know, because we we sowed that we've reaped so much just in, in referrals alone, you know, from from that. So you really have no idea how far the influence can spread when you do these things. And like you said, you know, the 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 their win becomes your win. You know, you, you, yeah. you connect with them on that level. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think too, what we we're slowly getting to, and certainly what I'm promoting, because um, with, as you're aware, with share.care, the, the charity that I have at the moment or the foundation that I have now is one of the, the slogans that we have is it's in your own selfish best interest to help others. And where that comes from is we've <laughs> moved like from that. a zero. Yeah. We've moved from a zero sum game in the world to a positive sum game. Well, before um, before the industrial revolution, pretty much if you wanted to be better off, someone had to be um, you know had to be less better off. You're a and that was why we yeah we had wars and things like that. So people would invade another country to to take those resources. There there was it was a zero sum game. The the resources were there, but from the industrial revolution, 
innovation has become the power. We, with innovation, we created a bigger pie. The problems that we have today, like cheap air travel, we didn't have 50 years ago, even 20 years, maybe yeah, 20 years ago, cheap air, well, cheap, yeah, there was air travel, but say 50 years ago, cheap air travel wasn't an issue, but that was a problem that someone solved. Um, and now that's enabled more people to travel and allowed more people to connect with each other. And when you think about it from that perspective, and this is where we say it's in your own selfish best interest to help others, you might help someone, for example, take cancer. Um, you know, and there's a lot of great medical institutes in the world, um, uh, trying to resolve cancer and but imagine what would happen if just say you helped people get educated so 20 years ago we helped a number of other countries um, become more developed uh, so we've educated and, and they've become more developed and then they've also got top-notch um, medical facilities how much closer would we be to solving cancer so you might help someone get educated to become a doctor they solve cancer and then they help your child um, overcome cancer so you never know where it's all going to come back. And that's why with innovation, it's created a positive some world where you're, if you help someone be better off, that's going to help the world, the pie be bigger so that you're actually going to be better off as well. Yeah, that's great. It's the, the complete opposite of that kind of scarcity mindset or that, hmm. that, that if I'm getting richer, you must be getting poorer. That's not true at all. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. You can collaborate there. There are true win-win situations in the world, especially in this day and age. Um, so talk a little bit about your charity. I, this is really interesting. Uh, you, I mean, like I said, you, you have a phenomenal background. You seem like a very intelligent individual and obviously very caring individual. So I want to hear a little bit more about um, the, uh, the philanthropy. Yeah, well, that started, I was actually, there's a famous business person um, here in Australia called um, uh, Frank Walker, um, and he, you know, he has a, a tile business, him and his wife have been running that for a while, um, and uh, sorry, I just was checking because your face is frozen, so I'm not sure if you're still there, so I'm going <laughs> to keep talking. On there. <laughs> I can still hear you, so keep going. Fantastic, I, I like this, and, and I like these little things in there because people forget, I think today, in today's world, especially with social media, everyone presents, you know, this image of, you know, perfection, and, and I like to, you know, in my stuff, I like to have little mistakes and stuff, well, keep the mistakes in because it just shows, you know, we're all human and, and it's okay. But yeah, Share.Care come about, I was working, um, uh, well, I, I knew uh, Frank from uh, my, my stepdaughter went to school with his daughter. Um, well, one of his daughters, the, the, him, him and his wife Rhonda have um, seven children, six daughters and one one son. And he was talking about the foundation that he was starting to help prevent family violence. And I said, yeah, that's something that I'd connect with a lot and I'd love to help out. And, and said, if I can help out in any way, let me know. And, and he did contact me and said, yeah, it can help out. And so I did, I volunteered my time to just help him out, you know, trying to uh, get this organization up and running because he hadn't started it yet. They've been planning it for a while. Him and his, and his wife had been planning that. And so after doing this for a little while, they, they had a, um, a quite a stout board. Um, the, the chairman of the board was actually the former uh, managing director and, and chairman of BP. So he's no, no slouch. And Greg turned to Frank and said one day, he said, look, if you really want to get this up and running, you need to appoint someone as as ceo and get them running so frank approached me and said look would you like to be the ceo and i'll pay you to do that and you know, and i was paid quite a substantial amount to do that and my role was to get this up and running and 
so I, I did that and I did it in, the board was expecting it to be 18 months and I did it in eight, um, six or eight. I think it was eight. Uh, so I just smashed it out of the park and got this running. But what happened through that process is in doing some research, I realized um, in the space of getting help, if you've got a relationship problem, there wasn't a lot out there to get help with, uh, certainly in Australia and certainly wasn't organized. Um, but when you compared it to whatever else is out there, for example, if you've got an alcohol problem, where do you go? You, know, you, you go to the AA website. Uh, most people have heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and generally, where I mean, for most people, where you live, believe it or not, if you go to the AA website, within seven kilometers or three and a half miles in, in your, your language, um, you've got to translate, <laughs> there's there's an AA meeting happening that night. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the way the structure of that organization is, is that it's not, you know, it's not overly heavy as far as cost to set it up. People just run AA meetings. They've got a, a book, a book that they follow, a set of instructions, and they follow it and they do that. Um, and another organization similar to that is Toastmasters. You want to learn to speak publicly that you know toastmasters worldwide organization again simple structure that they have to follow people can run that without any um any need to you know have big expenditure so i was looking at that going okay what in the family space there's not much there and as part of what we did for the the family peace foundation that had set up for, for frank was we wanted to show you know what strong families how they deal with problems to give an example rather than say oh here's a problem we had it so we organized a dinner party it was a lunch party and we had a, a table setting that had eight people on it plus we had two prominent psychologists here sabina reed and, and dr michael carr greg which are they're quite famous and, and very renowned psychologists and we had 14 participants all of them none of them were couples so we only had the, you know though even though they're from a strong family or what we understood to be a strong family they weren't um we didn't have the couple, just one one person. And we rotated people in. So we had you know, equal men and women, and we rotated them in. As, and the psychologists asked some questions, and they answered those questions. But what I noticed after a little while, because I was directing it, was that men were starting to do a lot of the talking. And coming from a corporate background, I'm starting to get concerned going, okay, men are dominating the conversation, because you get that in, in boardrooms where it's you know, men are dominating the conversation. So I said um, to the ladies off camera, I said, look, I'm getting a bit concerned. The men are um, seem to be dominating the conversation and I'm a bit worried about that. And all the ladies stood up and I said, no, we never hear men talking about this stuff. We're loving listening. And that was a light bulb moment. You know, Give men a safe environment. They will open up. They will share. They will talk. Um, so that was my first light bulb moment. And then after that, after this happened, um, after we finished it, about a month later, maybe it was six weeks later, I called everyone up to say, look, you know, appreciate your time. Can you give us any feedback on on what we did? And, and that was the purpose of the call. What I found from that call is everyone from that um, that event went away, organized their own dinner party to have these conversations of how to you know how to deal with life how to how to address relationships how to so that they, they went away and did that so that was my light bulb moment as well going if you give people a structure to follow they will actually create a um their own connection with people they they'll create similar to like a, a toastmasters masters they'll get together and organize that so i took and i went and um and looked at, okay, what are the principles that create a strong, healthy, and inspiring relationship, which is the acronym for SHARE. 
Um, and and that was a marketing thing on my behalf, having studied marketing ages ago. It's like I looked it up in the dictionary. Share's not a real word. I went, cool, like Uber, it's not a real word. I think great, great marketing um, tool because it, it's I can own that. And and when I looked at the the websites, actually share.com was taken. So I was a little bit peeved about that. And then I saw share.care and I just went, that's so much better. So I took that. Um, and as it turns out, doing more research later, <laughs> It's um, share, S-H-A-I-R, is a word. It's an Islamic word that means fountain of wisdom, ironically. Mm. <laughs> so that was kind of fortuitous. And But we yeah, took, you know, looked at what are the principles that create a, a strong, healthy and inspiring relationship. You know, personal responsibility was one. Um, you know, having fi- strong finances was one. Having a plan was another. So we uh, we created the 10 principles and they're on the, the website, the share.care website that is there. Um, uh, so if you go to share.care and, and you'll see that there is the, the 10 principles in the background behind them. And then on top of that, was looking further and going, there's a lot of instructions about what not to do in life. It's telling you, you know, you can't do this, can't do that. So we're looking at that going, well, really, where is the guidance on what you can do? And, and I looked throughout history and even went back in medieval times, you had the Knights Code. This is how Knights you know, knights had a, a way, a, a higher set of principles that they held them to. I do a lot of contract work now. And, and just because a contract says you can doesn't mean you should right. um, if you've got a higher set of principles. And that was what I looked at. And we went, okay. So we actually rewrote the Knights Code as a guiding set of principles to people. And, and one of them was, you know, to to actually like yourself and not take offense at the opinion of others. Because oftentimes someone will say something, we get offended and we create this spiral of, um, you know, of aggression. Whereas a lot of times if someone says something, it's like, so what? Uh, and I get that from my mum. My mum always taught me, you know, it doesn't matter what people say, don't care about it. it doesn't. And and as a kid, I hated it. <laughs> but as an adult, there's, there's something to that. There's so many times where, because um, one of the things I do teach in my in corporate work that I do is is dispute avoidance rather than dispute resolution because with um yeah i can see the young guy hey (laughs) g'day g'day for those who are just listening there's a a young young boy in the background window (laughs) you got photo bombed (laughs) exactly but it was it was coming back to that that high um you know when we look at dispute resolution um you know it's usually after you've got a dispute was dispute avoidance is a lot of times you know someone might say something so what you know big deal or you go instead of getting offended what makes you say that? What, 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 you know, and, and, and if you actually turn to listening as opposed to getting offended, you actually, you can get a conversation and get an understanding. And there's so many relationships that I've created. I remember in a corporate environment um, where I was doing some claims on a construction site, the, um, the superintendent was an older gentleman. He's a grumpy old gentleman. And um, I used to, you know, I would always wear a suit and um, I used to wear braces, 80s style back then. Um, now, I, now I wear a vest, but back then I had braces. So I was very much, you know, yeah, yeah 80s, so Gordon Gecko look. Um, and was standing there one day and he, and he actually grabbed my braces and flicked them. And he goes, yeah, what do you mean? and then, um, and, I, and I didn't respond. I go, oh, don't touch me. And I, I didn't respond. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then he turned to me like almost, it was a few seconds after that. And he goes, you know, they look really cool. I wish I had the guts to wear braces like you do. And our relationship changed because of that. Whereas if I had got offended and and you know got upset and jumped down his throat, that would have wouldn't have helped. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not saying you know someone you know pushing and shoving you is, is something you just should, should go, yeah, that's okay. But you know, this was you know, he was an old gentleman, he just flicked my braces, 
big deal. Right. Um, and it created pause, a different Pause dynamic. a second. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that there's kind of, that's when you're talking about where did share come from? I know that's a long story, but because there's a lot packed into it. Um, and, th- and that is really some of the core things that are behind that. It's one, you know, let's, let's create environments where people can feel safe to open up and it can be, you know, your squash club or your footy club or, you know, wherever it is where you just have a higher set of principles that you, you talk about and go, well, okay, we've got, you know, 10 principles that we, we admire to how are you going on your, your financial plan and, and have those discussions. And also to having the code as in this, this higher accountability that we, we have for ourselves that we, you know, we, that we look after people, that we, we care for people, um, that we care for ourselves those kind of things. And the, and the code is on the share.care website as well. Gotcha. So, that, yeah. so your book, uh, be the black hole. Let's talk about that. That's, that's yeah, I, the I, book I like is. That. Yeah. The book came about, um, cause for me, um, I really believe life is easy. You know? And I know we've got the exercise mentality that says you got to push really hard and things like that. And certainly if you want to be, you know, you want to be the best in the world at, at something, you know, you, you take, you know, like if you're in basketball or having this discussion um, with someone a couple of days ago, uh, you, you've got Michael Jordan, you had Kobe Bryant who, who tragically passed away. And, but th- these people were exceptional at what they did um, and, and best in the world. When you, when you look at all the people in the world that play basketball, these people were at the top. And why were they at the top? Because they put in so much effort. Um, but they also put in the right effort as well. I remember, and this was one of the stories that was put up, was that there was a story of Kobe Bryant when he was playing and as he was throwing the ball, someone hit his arm and as a result, he missed that shot. Apparently that night afterwards, he went back and got someone to hit his arm and he just kept throwing it to work out how to make that shot and he just kept doing it over and over again. So he was doing the right thing to, he was practicing the right thing to to overcome that issue uh, and because they say practice makes perfect but practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent whatever you're doing it will make it permanent if you're doing the wrong action it's just going to make it you know the going to be better at doing the wrong action <laughs> and right, right. yeah because how much have you heard the statement don't work harder work smarter and how many of us actually work smarter when we, if we're going to 